The second lesson is from 1 Peter. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. <clears throat> Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you <clears throat> excuse me, an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. <clears throat> for it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water, and baptism, which, which this prefigured now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are continuing our preaching series this week over our new mission statement, which is we worship God, love our neighbors, create community, follow Jesus, and steward our resources. In the first week, we talked about how as we go out into the world and we love our neighbors, that gives us the chance to meet and experience Jesus. Then in the second week, we talk about how that God has declared that we all have worth and value. And because of this truth, that allows us to be in relationship with one another and to create community with each other. Then last week, we talked about how that we are called to live out this mission of worshiping God. And we are to do that as priests. We are to go out into the world declaring the mighty acts of God and offering spiritual sacrifices of doing good for those that are around us. This week, we're going to turn to our attention to the part of our mission statement that says, we follow this. And again, just like every other part of our mission, we want to be marshalling all of our gifts of time and money and skills and energy to fulfill this mission to follow Jesus. When I was 17, I thought I had this whole Christian thing pretty much figured out. I thought maybe, well, I just need maybe another year or two of seasoning, and then I was going to be golden. I was going to be perfect. If there was an award show for Christianity, something like the Oscars, I thought, I'm going to win the award for best Christian. All right, they would say, and the award for best Christian goes to John Sword. And everybody would clap for me, and I'd go up and give a speech and thank God me the best Christian. I thought I had it all together. But about the same time, I had the chance at the church I was a part of to spend some time with some adults in the church. And these are some other Christians that I respected, people that I thought, man, these people really have it figured out as far as following Jesus. And as I talked with them and I listened to them share about their life, I heard them talking about sins they were continuing to struggle with. I heard them about virtues they were trying to grow in. And in no way were they speaking like they had it all figured out, that they knew exactly what it meant to follow Jesus in every aspect of their life. 
They were engaged in this ongoing process of following Jesus and maturing faith. And my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian expanded greatly. And I realized I'm not going to be the perfect Christian in the next year or two. Like, this is a lifetime of transformative work that I'm engaging in and participating in. Becoming a Christian is an ongoing process. We have an initial moment of coming to faith in Jesus, or, or we have our baptism. And these things, they mark the beginnings of our journey throughout life of following Jesus. Here in a moment, Owen is going to get baptized. And that's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be joyful. And this is the beginning for him on his Christian walk. And Owen, throughout his life, he has all kinds of things to learn and ways to be shaped to follow Jesus. His parents, Kate and Grant, are committing to do the discipling work with him. His godparents, Evan and Larry, will also help with that work of helping Owen grow into a disciple of Jesus. And we as a church community are committing to be there for Owen, to support him throughout his life, and to help him grow as a follower of Jesus. Now, it would be nice if that if when Owen is baptized, he became the perfect follower of Jesus, right? Always loving everyone, never sinning, honoring his parents every day, carrying his cross daily as he follows Jesus, and on and on, doing all the things to do as a Christian. Right? That would be awesome for any of us if we automatically and perfectly followed Jesus for the rest of our life once we were baptized. We just have to get some water on us and bam, we're done. That would make my job like a thousand times easier if that was the case. Unfortunately, that isn't the way it works. We have to attend to our discipleships and the discipleships of one another. We are to participate in this ongoing process of being fashioned into followers of Jesus. And we see that in our reading from 1 Peter this morning. In particular, I'd like to draw your attention to a phrase that appears in verse 15. And here's the phrase. It says, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Some translations of this verse say, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. This is a command to do this work of making Christ Lord. Now, I find this interesting in, because this letter is written to Christians. It's, it's been written to people that have already said, Jesus is my Lord. So if that's the case, then why do Christians need to do this ongoing work of, in their hearts, sanctifying Christ as Lord? Right? Haven't they already done that when they became a Christian? point that is trying to be made with these words. When we get baptized, when we first proclaim Jesus as Lord, that starts the process. As I said earlier, in the actual activities and decisions of our lives, we don't automatically always choose the Jesus option. When we initially declare Jesus as Lord, we are starting, stating our intentions and our goals. We're saying, this is who I want to be. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a Christian. But there's a lot of work that has to be done to actually make Jesus Lord of every part of our life. Of saying Jesus is going to be in charge of every aspect of who I am. Every part of my life, Jesus is going to obey, and no one and nothing else is going to be in charge. That's what is meant by this phrase, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. We are to examine the different aspects of our lives. 
Is Jesus Lord of your relationships? Every single one of your relationships, is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord of all your emotions? Is Jesus Lord of what you do with your body? What about when you go shopping? Is Jesus Lord there? What about when you go to school or work? Is Jesus Lord there? What about in your retirement? Is Jesus Lord? Jesus Lord with every breath you take. Because the call as Christians is that Jesus is the Lord of our hearts and our lives at all times, in all places, and in all situations. Our discipleship is an ongoing process of formation, of making Jesus Lord of all that we are, little by little, day by day, setting apart this one little piece that we're focused on and say, Jesus, you're going to be Lord here. Right, you're saying, you're going to be Lord, Jesus, when I drive, and on and on. The work of discipleship is best done in community. Other Christians can support you and you can support them. We can help one another examine our hearts and lives, what still needs to come under the Lordship of Jesus. At Holy Comforter, this is our mission, right? It's to follow Jesus, to say, Jesus, you are in charge and I will go where you go and I will do what you do and listen to what you say. This is who we desire to be here at Holy Comforter. We want to follow Jesus, and we want to encourage one another and challenge one another to follow Jesus. Following Jesus doesn't come naturally. It is hard work, and we need each other to support one another along the way. We here are going to be people that are forming Jesus followers. We're going to do that for Owen, and we're going to do that for one another. This is what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus did not die on the cross only to forgive our sins, but also to remake us and form us into people that do the things that he wants us to do. To do the things like love our neighbors, worship God, create community, and steward our resources. We're not going to be able to do any other parts of our mission statement if we are not following Jesus. If we're not doing that day by day and being transformed to make Jesus the Lord of our life. Thank God that Jesus doesn't abandon us to be stuck in our sinful states forever. Right? I want to be forgiven, but I also want the state of sin. I want to have a life of joy and love and peace that God wants for all of us. Right? And thank God that God is faithful to do that for each and every one of us. So beloved, join with me in the ongoing process of being remade into people that follow Jesus. Help one another. Help one another examine your lives of where maybe Jesus quite isn't Lord yet, but things that we can work on. Because God, Father, Son, and Spirit has committed, is committed to us. And God will change us so that, that Christ is sanctified as Lord in every one of our hearts.